0: Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, in celebration of Black History Month, Andrew is joined by David Barton as they discuss the numerous black heroes of America.
1: In the South, the war is over, but that didn't change hearts. If someone like a Woodrow Wilson comes out with his book and doesn't tell me about these black heroes, then I don't know about them.
0: Well, that's a problem. AND NOW HERE'S ANDREW. SO I'M GLAD THAT YOU'RE WITH
2: ME TODAY FOR A VERY SPECIAL EDITION OF THE GOSPEL TRUTH. AND I'M INTERVIEWING DAVID BARTON. I MEAN EXPERTS, AUTHORITY ON AMERICAN HISTORY. AND DURING THIS BLACK HISTORY MONTH, WE ARE SHARING SOME THINGS ABOUT THE HEROES OF AMERICA WHO WERE BLACK. MOST OF YOU HAVE NEVER HEARD THIS. I TELL YOU, IT'S GOING TO BLESS YOU. I BELIEVE IT WILL BE A TREMENDOUS INSPIRATION TO YOU. SO PLEASE STAY TUNED for our Black History Month with David Barton. And let me ask you that America is, you know, I've had people before criticize and say, well, Paul didn't make statements about politics and stuff like that, which I think is not totally true. That's not true. But nonetheless, he didn't have a system that was ordained like us, That's right. where we have the right and, and not only the right, the responsibility to be involved. So That's right. how do you answer things like this that the Bible doesn't advocate taking positions um, or stuff? The Bible.
1: Has seven different forms of government illustrated throughout the scriptures. Some are preferable, some are not. There's some you can't do anything with a theocracy. You can do nothing with uh, what Iran has with the theocracy. We can't go in there and vote those guys out. It's not going to happen. But we have a government that belongs to the people. It's one that says we, the people. We are a government based on Exodus 18:21, where the scripture says, "You guys." Choose out from among you leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds. and th- You guys have elections. Choose your local, your county, your state, your federal leaders. So in this country, our government is in our hands totally. It, you choose your own leaders. You choose the leaders that will make the policies. If you've got certain policies, it's because you chose to put them there or you did nothing to keep them from getting there. And, and so that really is the difficulty we have today. Um, given the current numbers right now based on voting since 1980, the next president of the United States will be chosen by only one out of five Americans. That's how few Americans vote. So for us to sit back and say, well, it's all ordained.
2: No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's in your hands. And, have you and, seen that verse? And I think it's Hosea says, you have made these people kings, but yes, not by me. But not by me. That's that right. right
1: there shows you that that's God right.
2: doesn't just force these things. He doesn't
1: rubber stamp whatever kingdoms are. And, and that's the thing I thought the founding fathers was so interesting because when they broke away from Great Britain, They had a a biblical dilemma over Romans 13, which is governments ordained by God, instituted by God. And so there were some saying, you guys can't rebel against Great Britain because God's instituted government. And they were serious about it. And so they read so many theological works. One was by Junius Bruce 1689, because Junius Bruce 1689 lived in France. France was a Catholic nation and there was a Protestant Reformation movement going on. And the Catholics killed 110,000 Protestants Two million fled France, 400,000 Protestants came to America, largely founded in New York, South Carolina. But the the Christian Catholic government just killed 110,000 because they were Protestants. So are you telling me that Paul is telling me to submit to that? And so that's what the theologians that day had to look at.
2: We still have people saying that today, whatever happens, it's God, and if you are
1: resisting, then you're resisting God. And and here's why I thought the Founding Fathers were brilliant, because they read that book from 1689 with France. They read Lex Rex by by Samuel Rutherford, where the the British crown was also killing Christians because they were the wrong denomination. And the Founding Fathers said, you know, when we look at at Romans 13 about government being ordained by God, the word, and and I don't know this because I'm not a Greek scholar, but they were. And they said the word used in Greek doesn't mean a specific government. It means the institution of government ordained by God. So what the Bible is saying is don't overthrow government and have anarchy. You need government. But it doesn't mean that every single government is ordained by God. That's like saying the church is ordained by God. So whatever the church yeah. believes is ordained by God. No, that's not true. See,
2: I've taught that exact thing. And what I do is use the church as an example. Because the people that will sit there and say, well, God, you know, everything happens, He sovereignly controls it. I'll sit there and say, do you agree that every pastor is correct? Oh, no. Well, aren't they government? Isn't go. that a church government? And and so anyway, to be consistent, I've also had people come up and say, well, you know, if God wants this person healed, they're going to be healed whether you or I pray for them or not. It's God that made them sick. This is God's will. And I say, well, if that's so, why are you going to the doctor and taking medication trying to get out of God's will? It's just absolutely foolish. It is not saying that God ordains this government to function the way it did. Now, He ordained government. Government is God ordained. That is His institution, no question. But not every way that it's carried out. And in our nation, we have the privilege, the responsibility to get involved and make a difference. And
1: and see, that is the word, the responsibility. Uh, One of the things I think is so cool uh, in the Bible and in early America was we didn't use the word rights very much. And I was talking to a Jewish rabbi. And by the way... that jewish rabbi has so changed my theology in so many ways biblically he's helped me grow so much rabbi daniel Lappin, he said he said barton you do realize that hebrew is what god spoke to adam and eve and the patriarchs i mean that was god's language right so your point he said well every word that comes out of god's mouth well every every hebrew word is a word that came out of god's mouth that's where hebrew came from god spoke it okay. all right and he said, that means that not only what you can say, but what you can't say in Hebrew is very, very important. I'm not getting you. He said, well, he said, do you know that in Hebrew, you cannot say the word coincidence? It doesn't exist because it never crossed God's mind that something was a coincidence. You can't even say that word. I said, "No, that's cool, that'll preach. Mm-hmm. I said, what else can't you say in Hebrew? He said, well, you can't say the word fair in Hebrew because it doesn't matter whether something's fair or not because God has plans for everything. He said, you can't say the word retirement in Hebrew. There is no such thing as retirement. God put you here to be productive. This is good stuff. We've got one example retirement in the book of Luke where the guy put everything in his, his shed and the angel came and said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And I said, w- what else? He said, well, in Hebrew, you can't say rights. All you can say is responsibilities. Hmm. That's good, so we in America, I have a right to vote. No, you don't, you have a responsibility to vote. And, and that's the right viewpoint is, we're stewards of this thing. This is not rights that we have, but we can decide we're not gonna be involved in it. No, 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 God will hold us accountable because he said, you guys take care of this till I get back. And that's the viewpoint we have to get as Christians.
2: So, David, this is our last day of two weeks that we've been doing, and we've been talking a lot about black heroes, and, of course, that's gone into history and why things have gone the way that they are. Could you bring it up just to our lifetime? Yeah. Like, you're about my age, and um, so we've been through segregation, desegregation. We've been through the civil rights movement. Um, What are some of the heroes of our day? What's going on?
1: You know, in our day... I think there's an interesting dynamic going in our day. Um, I, I really believe that we are at the book of Joshua, not at the book of Deuteronomy. Let me kind of explain. In the book of Deuteronomy, you had national leaders that were very recognizable. You had Moses, you had Aaron, you had Miriam. When you get to the book of Joshua, you still got a couple national leaders. You, you got uh, Joshua, uh, you got Caleb, but by and large. Everything happens in the book of Joshua. That's where they go and take the promised land. All the stuff that God's promised comes to pass. And you really can't tell me who the leaders are that got that done. Because what happened was they started networking. Ephraim says to Manasseh, Hey, we'll help you go take your land. You come help us take ours. God's promise will fulfill it. And while you got the two old guys... It's a younger generation that comes in and starts networking with one another and starts doing the stuff behind the scenes, and I really feel like that's where God has us today. We don't have now, we don't have an MLK now. Uh, we don't have a, a Jerry Falwell. We don't have a, a, you know the the guys we had. We don't have D. James Kennedy, and they were all great guys, great leaders. They did a lot of change. We don't have a Billy Graham anymore. Right now, this is a time for people to network and come together uh, across us. Uh, I mentioned Bishop Jim Lowe uh, earlier, uh, the the man in, in Birmingham, black guy who was in, in the church when it was blown up, the church bombing back in the '60s, and he has brought together black pastors and white pastors, and you know, we're the gatekeepers of Birmingham. If somebody's going to get elected here, they need to go Name through yeah. us to get That's elected it all here. Be. And so now you got different kind of leadership in Birmingham because the church came together. I'm looking at Las Vegas and we saw the shooting that happened in Las Vegas. And so the shooter was there and every day we're getting the reports from the police chief and probably nobody paid attention. But behind the police chief, there were six guys at every news conference and black police chief, he just did a wonderful job of helping control the stuff and keep it calm. Six guys behind him. And the six guys were all pastors. And those six pastors, black pastor Michael Hatch, white pastor Mark David Tice, and other guys, they, they came together and said, You know what? This is our city. And, and one, of those, one of those pastors, um, great guy, Victory Baptist Church, of Tice, the city started getting really rough around them. The city was growing up, got very violent. They lived in one of the most violent parts of the city. And like every good church, they moved to the suburbs. You no. Know, <laughs> what they said was, Hey, we need to change what's going on around us. They took on that neighborhood. Had an 85 percent drop in murders in that neighborhood. They refused to leave the neighborhood, took it on. Then they end up the pastors divided the city into six sections. And so now what happens is one part of the city where the strip workers on, on, on the Las Vegas Strip, you know, prostitutes, and others live. The crime, the the murders there were 100 percent unreported. Nobody would say a murder had happened because they didn't want to come above board. They didn't want to be seen. They didn't want anybody to know. Now, Pastor um, Hatch has gone in there. He's a black pastor. Now, 80% of murders are reported in that part of Las Vegas. These are guys, black and white, that have come together and said, this is our city. Let's get this thing back where it needs to be. So the police chief of Las Vegas has taken these guys to police conferences and say, guys, you want to fix your city? You need a group like these guys right here. And and so those are things that are happening. Getting the believers involved. Getting the believers involved. And it's, it's going across lines. You know, we are Christians. We're holding hands across denominational lines. We're, we're not compromising our beliefs. We're not compromising who we are, but it's black and white, it's millennial, it, it's it's busters and boomers and X, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. I mean, there's stuff happening and that networking is starting to happen. I really, really see good things coming from America, but it's so hard to look out and, and put your finger on, on one thing It's kind of like whack-a-mole. We used to play whack-a-mole. There's good things going on across the nation, but only in those areas where people are stepping up and saying, we're going to take charge of our area.
2: You know, I wouldn't have said it the way you said it, but that's great. I agree. I've always said this that the day of the one-man show's over. That's right. That God's raising up lots of people together. And one of the things we're doing in our Karis Bible College is, you know, we've got a whole staff. Matter of fact, you're here at school ministering, and we have... I think we have 100 plus different speakers in per year, along with our probably 20 different uh, staff members. And anyway, it's the responsibility is spread out that's over right. all of these things that's right. instead of being around one person. That's right. I could leave today. And did you know that They'll this ministry would go on? That's and I right. think that's one of the things that is new. That's new. That in my lifetime, most ministries were all built around one person. And even though I may be the face of this ministry because I'm on uh, television, it's a huge team that's making things working. I agree with what you're saying. That's, I that's Joshua. True.
1: Joshua is the known leader, but it's everybody else that got the work done and took the land. And, and I really feel like that's the paradigm we're in. We're, we're out and of the motions. And something else you
2: said uh, sparked something with me. You were talking about Ephraim going over to Manasseh and saying, let's go do this. And they they dealt with their area. And then yes. you use the example of those right. in Las Vegas. And one of the things that bogs people down from getting involved is because they look at the national level and they think, what can I do? I'm one person. But man, the, the churches, the people that are in churches, if your church was to get involved the way you talked about these, they could make a difference there. You know, we're having these sex education, indoctrination bills pushed through yeah. in Colorado. Yeah. Very ungodly stuff. But what we've learned is that we are a local control state, which many of them are. And we can get in, and it doesn't matter what they do in Denver. If we sit here and organize, we can stop this stuff. At from your coming school, districts, our school district, at your local stuff. That's
1: exactly what. Right. See, that, that's, there's, there's two things going on now that I think are very detrimental for the church. And, and one is the attitude of national, and the second is the attitude of professional. And, and let me explain. When you watch news today, we have cable news 24 7, 365. I don't care what cable news you watch, left, right, center what you get is a steady dose of national news. And so I'm not liking the direction of the nation. And I will tell you, I know Supreme Court justices. I know all sorts of senators and representatives, all sorts of people high up in the administration, president administration, with the president, et cetera. And I can't call and get anything changed. And so for people who don't have the connections I got, they're even more frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is it paralyzes us from doing anything. Now, the second problem we have is we have professionals we we have specializations in everything and so we have spiritual professionals we have pastors and we have evangelists and we have missionaries and they're really i'm just a common peon christian i don't have all the training they have and and so all of that is there and 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 so here's here's the result as a result we see stuff on a national level and we're not even paying attention to what the vote was on the school board last night because we got all the national news and so then we're looking at all the professionals are out there and we're saying, I can't do that. Two things. Let me see if I can turn this. We have in America. Um, excuse me. And Christianity. Christianity is now the world's largest religion. Thirty-two percent of the world's Christian. Twenty-one percent is is Muslim. Fourteen percent Hindu, and six percent Buddhist. So we, by far, are the largest. And we have put two thousand years into that. We put un- countless billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, into getting the gospel around the world. We've sent missionaries and pastors, evangelists everywhere, and we're thirty-two percent. That's great. Here's the deal: if every Christian Made it. My only objective for this year is to just win one other person. Next year, sixty-four percent of the world That'd will be, be Christian. Awesome. And two years, one hundred twenty-eight percent. In other words, the whole world could be Christian in two years if everybody just said, I, "I'm not. I can't do much. I'm going to do one. I'll get one person brought to the Lord." Man, we could change the whole world. Absolutely. If everybody got off this professional kick, I don't care whether I'm professional or not. I can share what I know with somebody, and I can change somebody. And if everybody just took on one person around them, it'd be different. And the same thing with the national level. When you look at the American Revolution, we won against weird odds. We should never have won. Uh, In the Revolution, uh, only about 25% of Americans were for independence. 25% were against it, wanted the British to stay. 50% didn't care as long as it didn't bother them. And when it came to actually doing something in the American Revolution, only 8% of Americans actually did something. So we win the entire... We become a nation, the greatest nation in the world at this point, statistically speaking, with only eight people doing it, 8% of the people. So what happens is when you look at the first battle of the revolution, here come the British, they're all professional soldiers. We're a bunch of shopkeepers and school teachers, and and we're not soldiers. And when, when it happened, the first battle of the revolution is the Battle of Lexington. And so the second battle of the revolution is the Battle of North Bridge of Concord. The third battle of the revolution, on the same day, is the road to Boston. Fourth battle, a few weeks later, is Bunker Hill. And in all of those battles, nobody said, right, George Washington's national commander. Let's get him in here and see what he wants to do. What happened was at Lexington, the Reverend Jonas Clark said, 800 British are coming to my town? No, no, no. I'll have 70 of my guys go out there, and we'll meet the British. So the first battle of the Revolution was the Reverend Jonas Clark with his church going out to take on the British. The second battle later that day, two hours later, North Bridge of Concord, was the Reverend William Emerson with 300 guys taking on the 800 British. The British said these odds aren't good. They turn around and go back to Boston. The road to Boston had between four and five thousand Americans taking on 800 British as pastor after pastor led their church to get involved. This is our community. You're not going to do this in our community. That's, we won the American Revolution not by having a great national leader, which we had. It was by winning all the local battles. No. When you win all the local battles, you win the national
2: battle. And you know, in Colorado, some people aren't aware of this, but there's a video out there called the Rocky Mountain Highest. Have you ever seen yes, that? Yes, Michelle yes, yes. Michelle Mauklin is the one that emceed uh, that or was the announcer for it. And anyway, it... it which, which, by the way, let me ask Rocky Mountain High, John Denver,
1: Rocky Mountain Heist. Yes. So many people hear that and think Mountain it's Rocky Island. Mountain High. It's Rocky Mountain Heist, like a steel.
2: And it basically shows that four wealthy people got together about, what, 12, 15 years yes. ago, and they just decided they were going to change Colorado from being conservative in to Iowa, being liberal. In Iowa and
1: Minnesota, there were several that they took and on.
2: And they started by the school boards. They started on the local level, and when they got a foothold here, they just expanded, and in 12 That's to 15 right. years, Colorado has turned completely to a a Democratic House, Senate, and governor. And in the last, uh, what, 10 months or so since they came into power, they have pushed through, I don't even know, dozens of ungodly legislation, even teaching that now homosexuality, lesbianism, all kinds of, um, you know, perversion of sexual experience has to be taught in the school system. It and has even to be the taught techniques. in elementary. That's right. Even the techniques to elementary to kids. fourth graders. That's right. This is part of the stuff that they have legislated and it started twelve years ago when things like this couldn't have even been conceived. And they did it exactly the way you're talking about instead of one figure, they just started getting involved on a on a local level. And it made all of the difference. That's what we need to do. Well,
1: we've even seen in in recent years, and I love pointing this out to Christians because we think, I can't do anything. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Quit thinking that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do abundantly, exceedingly above all. So there's so many verses we can be quoting rather than that. And it it affects what we we do in behavior. Because if we're saying, I can't do anything, we won't even try. But when all this stuff came down uh, about schools, can't have gender anymore, came from the Department of Education about five years ago, that you can't have two bathrooms and two locker rooms. Christians all over the country popped up and said, no, that's not right. And so in northwest Arkansas, there's a town up there of 40,000 people. Pretty conservative town, lots of churches, lots of Christians. And one lady said, I'm a Christian, and this is not going to happen in our schools. I'm running for school board. So in a town of 40,000 people, she ran for the school board, and she won the election there were only 35 votes cast in the I election.
2: It couldn't be many.
1: No, a town of 40,000, 35 votes, she won the election. There's a town in in northwestern Iowa where that uh, a pig farmer, not in my town you're not, he ran for school board. He got busy on election day, didn't vote, and it's not that he lost by one vote. Nobody voted in the entire school board election. <laughs> if he had voted for himself, he would've been the whole school board by himself. Oh man. You know, that We get intimidated because we watch too much national news and don't pay attention to what's around us. If we can get Christians to say, you know what? I may not be the guy for the school board, but I'm going to find somebody to run for the school board, and I'm going to get 40 people to turn out
2: and vote for them, whatever it is. So, David, this is Black History Month, and we've been talking about all of these leaders and heroes and stuff, and people say, well, now you're just on politics. But it's because of politics that the blacks were suppressed, and if the Christians would have been involved... And, st- and they were, to a degree, there were some that were always fighting That's against right. this. But if the churches would have joined forces, they could have stopped this. So what we've been talking about, about getting people involved, is a critical part. It is Human nature hadn't changed. And with
1: black history, both the victories and defeats can be pointed to political things and who got involved in those political things. But it wasn't just political. And it wasn't just political. It was spiritual. Political is often the outworking of spiritual. And so if the church understands that, it can get involved in
2: that arena and should and biblically has, and it will make a difference. And we need you to get involved. And that's the reason I've done this. I've devoted two weeks of my program. You know, I call this the gospel truth. And I just have felt in my heart, somebody say, well, you aren't preaching the word. Well, we are. We're talking about how the church uh, is the one that turned things around in this nation. And any gains that we've got, it's because the church and godly people fought for it any of the problems that we've got, it's because of the withdrawal of church from this. And so what we're doing is maybe not using chapter and verse, but we're telling you the stories of people that got involved. And I'm telling you, this is critical for us again today. And I just want to make this point one more time, that just as I said about a person who has Alzheimer's, you know, this person can't basically do anything because they've lost their perspective. And this is what's happened to us as a nation. We have... um, history, Alzheimer's. And I think that, David, what you're doing is awesome. I just want to thank you so much for being a part of it and joining with Truth and Liberty. That's a blessing. My pleasure. Thank you for being engaged. That's a huge, huge impact. And in case some of you don't know, we started a 501c4 that we've entitled the Truth and Liberty Coalition. And what we do is speak on things just like this. And David Barton, Bill Federer, and others have joined with me there on the board. And what we are doing, we're taking on um, current events and issues like race and all of these kind of things. And we're dealing with it from a biblical perspective. And a 501c4 means that it's not tax deductible, but the benefit to it is we can say whatever we want to. And you can't change the culture. That's a group that can be active in the culture,
1: can step up and can make a difference in what's going in policy. And that's really important. And, and having it, I mean, sometimes you just need somebody to help tell you what I need to do. I'm willing to do something, just tell me what to do. And that's what Truth and Liberty can do. And help if me. you
2: haven't visited our website, it's truthandliberty.net. And we have hundreds of pages on there that are blogs about current events, what's going on, stats on things. We link with other websites. We don't, I don't want to start a, a separate ministry that is just replicating what other people are doing. We are a clearinghouse that link and you can find out who's running for office, what their voting record is, and you can get all this information. And uh, it's really a good thing. We have a broadcast every Monday night where we had David and Tim Barton on and had them with us. And uh, we broadcast and deal with all of the current events. And it's really, really good.
1: It so, is good. So thank you for what you're doing. Well,
2: thank you, David. I appreciate you, brother. And I tell you, it's just an honor to know you. And to, I've learned a lot. This has been good for me. And I know that the announcer will mention this again, but let me just mention that we have this product right here entitled God and Country. It will have everything that David and I have talked about for the last two weeks, plus his son was with us last week. And so it has those two weeks' worth of television interviews. But I also have four other weeks' worth of television interviews that I've done with David since 2009. And we discuss all kinds of things. I tell you, this is a wealth of information. So I encourage you to listen to our announcer. And also, David, uh, last thing, would you just tell them how they can get hold of your stuff and what do you have? available at Yeah, at
1: wallbuilders.com, we have a ton of stuff that will help you understand history. It'll help you look back into things in history, black history perspectives. Also, we have a book called This Precarious Moment, which we specifically did so that every citizen can know what they can do. So whether the issue is immigration or whether it's racism or whether it's relationship with Israel, anything else, Uh, we give a lot of practical guidance. And so the things we've been talking about the last two weeks, Andrew, uh, black history and and so many other things, we can take you step by step on how to do that. So go to wallbuilders.com. You can also go to YouTube. We have hundreds of videos out, short videos, giving little tidbits along the way. So YouTube is another place to go for our stuff.
2: And one last thing we got to mention is that David Barton helped me start our practical government school in K- Karis Bible College. It's a third year course and we are using his materials, a lot of original documents from back in the 1800s that show the true intent of what all this is. And so David helped me start it. We have uh, Mark Cower, Pastor Mark Cower, to help us run it and uh, it's powerful. We believe that we're raising up some people and And from your perspective, I think you said this is the only uh, educational type of thing that takes this approach. It is, Uh,
1: we've dealt with so many colleges. We call this a practical government school because so many government schools are not practical and they don't help the culture, they send it the wrong direction. This is a one that is filled with solutions and it trains young people on how to, young people and old people, a lot of people here in their second career, and it trains them on how to be a solution. So it is practical, It's what they need to know, how to do it, how to get involved in the process, how to make an impact on the process, whether it's local, whether it's federal, all the way through, we cover it.
2: Hey, man, I believe this has been awesome. I think that this has probably shaken a bunch of y'all's worlds. Some of you, it's going to set you free, but we believe it's been really good. Again, listen to our announcer as he gives you this information about how you can receive these materials.
0: Today you saw a portion of Andrew's interview discussing Black History Month and the role Black Americans have played in America's history. This entire interview is available as part of the God and Country album, which also includes previous interviews with David Barton discussing America's godly heritage. God and Country is available in either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. You can become a grace partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Andrews Bible College, Caris Bible College, has over 60 extension schools around the world. Go to karisbiblecollege.org today to find a school near you. Transforming lives, training leaders, changing the world. Keras Bible College.